Praise the Lord. I love when you clap when I come to preach. I appreciate that. You could do that each week. That'd be just fine with me. Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter number two. Habakkuk chapter number two. Didn't those young people do a great job singing? Praise the Lord for them. Yeah, give them a hand. Habakkuk chapter number two. That is in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. And we will begin there today with, this isn't working. It's not good on the first slide. Lori, it's going to be me and you today. Habakkuk, if you'll find that slide, Habakkuk. Chapter number two, I have a slide just for that, so that those, when I said Habakkuk, that's not, a, that's not a book of the Bible we go to very often. And so when I say Habakkuk, I thought maybe some of you might think I was kidding, having you go to uh, a book that's not there. And um, that's good. Jacob, let me have that back. I think they got that for me now. Habakkuk chapter two, in verse number two. The Bible says this, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Read that again. And the Lord, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Today is our vision 2020 service. We um, are going to speak much about vision today, casting a 20-year vision for our ministry. In the Bible, in Habakkuk chapter 2, it tells us what's to be done when you have a vision. The Bible's clear out of Habakkuk chapter 2. What do you do when God gives vision to this ministry, to us as a a church? We, We write it down. We want everyone to be able to hear it and see it. Write it down, make it clear. And that tells me this, there's got to be some time that we spend making the vision clear for our church. So for what reason? So that they that read it can run. The Bible in this portion of scripture, it tells us this, when we have vision, we've got to make it clear so that those that hear that vision then can run with that vision. If we have a vision from God and we do nothing with it, we're never going to be pleasing to God. God gives a ministry vision. He gives a church vision. The church's responsibility then is to to make it clear and and run with that vision. And that's the goal of our ministry over these next 20 years as we lay this out today. Now, let me just be clear today. We're not going to get into all the details of this. There's no way that we could take one service and give you every detail. And so my goal today is to give you about a 10,000 foot view of what it's going to look like and then spend the next 20 years of this ministry each year making sure we're on track to fulfill this vision. And each year then we'll take some time and and see what we've got to accomplish this upcoming year in 2020 and 2021 and so on for the next 20 years. The the word of God demonstrates a, a very powerful principle and that principle is this generational vision. Vision is not just for one generation, but it should be generational vision. 
The things that we do for God in this generation, those young people that were up here singing today, if you notice today we had teenage girls that sung the opener service today, we had young children up here today, what we lay out, the things that we do in obedience to the Lord's vision, it should set the stage for those that are coming behind us to grab a hold of that vision and continue to serve the Lord with great passion and great vision into the future. That's generational vision. We, we would, should never desire a vision that just benefits our generation. Matter of fact, that's not vision. That would be selfish. We just want something for us. And in what happens in future generations, we, we, we wouldn't care about. No, we, we should care about future generations. And we should do everything we can to set that stage so God can bless in future generations as well. The word of God demonstrates that principle. God never gives you a vision of what you can see. The reality is this, what we lay out today and what we seek to do then for these next uh, many years is not something that we ought to be able to see. If you can see it, it's not vision, it's called sight. If we can do this in our own power, it's not going to require faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I jokingly said to my wife this past week, if the Lord would just hand us about five or six million dollars, everything would be fine. But the problem with that would be this, we wouldn't need faith. As much as I'd love to, to get up and say, guess what? We don't need to give anymore. We don't need to do anything anymore. God's blessed our ministry and, and, and financially we're set for generations to come. That would sound wonderful and we'd rejoice in that. But the problem is this, we then would need faith to depend upon God. We want everything to be wonderful in our life. We want everything to go smoothly. We want the bank accounts to be filled. We want everyone to be healthy. We, we want everything good. We want to live on the mountaintop. But the problem with that is this. We don't then need God. And God often puts us in a place. He puts us as individuals. He puts your family. He puts our church in a place where we must seek him. We must pray that we must exercise faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. If you can see it, it's not vision, it's sight. In church, I, as a pastor of this church, as the leadership of this church, the staff, the advisory board, the deacons, there's no desire by the leadership of this church to lead this church by sight. We want God's power and that's vision. Whenever you cannot see it, when you have to have faith to believe it, that's when we as a church will begin to walk in a realm that if God doesn't help us accomplish it, it won't be done. And as scary, as fearful, as exciting as that sounds, if God's not a part of it, it's not called vision. And I wanna speak today about this generational vision. God gives vision to one generation. He uses that generation then to come to follow in order to accomplish that vision. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, if you would, please. Genesis chapter number 12. Don't worry, that's not working, so I'm just going to rely on you then, okay? Genesis chapter 12, in verse number 1. The Bible says this, and I will make of thee a 
I'm sorry, now the Lord said, had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee of. In verse number two, and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. In verse number three, and I will bless them that bless thee. Curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God gives a vision to Abram here. He takes these three verses and three short verses in the Bible, we see this principle of generational vision. He begins with one verse that directly applies to Abram. He says to Abram this, I, I, uh, Abram, get thee, get yourself, leave this country that you're in. And then he extends this to Abram's direct descendants. And then he extends this throughout his generations to impact the rest of the world. Just in three verses, he says this. Verse one, Abram, I've got a vision for you. There's something that I want you to do. And I want you to understand this vision that he gives to Abram is not something that Abram could see. It was not something that, that uh, uh, Abram could, could easily identify and, and, and say, this, is, this sounds like a great plan. This, this is Abram. I want you to get out of the place that you know, the place that you're comfortable, your homeland. I want you to get up and I want you to leave this place. And, and we say, why would God desire Abram to leave? Because Abram was living in a place uh, that was full of idolatry. It was full of worshiping other gods. And God wanted to establish through Abram a, 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 a people that would only only worship the one true living God, the creator of the uh, universe, Jehovah God, God of this universe, God created man, and he desired Abram to come and, and, and through Abram make a nation that would only worship him. He says to Abram, I want you to come out of this country in verse number one, in verse number two, I will make thee a great nation. Now hear me today, that required great faith as well. Matter of fact, I believe this, that required even more faith to believe that than Abram coming out of Ur of the Chaldees and, and going into a place that he had never known before. Because there was a problem there with that verse number two. Sarah wasn't able to have children. God said to Abram, listen, I want you to get up. This vision, this first part of this vision is for you. I want you to leave. The second part of this vision, I'm going to bless your descendants. The problem is Abram didn't have descendants. Abram couldn't have descendants. Abram could have said, God, I, I, I have no problem believing this first part of this vision, the part about leaving. All right, I, I don't mind leaving my home and going to a new place. That sounds like an exciting vision. But God, I've got a problem with that second part. I can't have children. I don't have children. My wife's not able to have children. So how is this second part going to be accomplished? Faith. It's vision. In verse number three, the Bible says, in these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Because Abram believed in God, because Abram followed that vision that started with him, then into his descendants, then to all the world, that is generational vision. Because Abram was obedient to the vision God gave him, you and I are sitting here today magnifying and worshiping the name of Jesus Christ because of generational vision. You see, when God gives a vision to a generation, it doesn't just impact that generation, it's a generational vision that impacts all generations to come. 
God saw in Abram's line and lineage that there was going to come one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that in him all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And today we realize this, that God's kept his word. The nations of the earth have been blessed because there was one Jesus Christ that came and shed his blood on the cross so that you and I could have salvation. The Messiah through Abram's seed has come. Salvation to everyone that accepts that free gift of salvation is given because of generational vision. Because Abram left his home God blessed him when it didn't seem possible, gave him a son, and through that son, generations have come forth, and through that son, through that line and lineage of Abraham, all the nations of the earth have been blessed. You see, it's not just in this nation today, believers in Jesus Christ to gather. It's in all the nations of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ has gone forth in all the nations of this world, even in closed countries that it's illegal to preach and teach the name of Jesus Christ. They're huddling in, in rooms. They're huddling in, in, in places in private, taking out the word of God, reading and preaching and singing about the, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God kept his promise. The challenge of generational vision is not getting God, though, to keep his word and keep his promise. You see, church, the challenge of generational vision is getting the next generation to embrace it. God's going to keep his word. He's promised to. Look, look at this history. We don't have the time to develop this today, but the history of Abraham's descendants. When one of his generations walked according to God's word, the blessings of God went with them. They multiplied, they increased, they handed to their children the rich inheritance that was handed to them. We see that in Abraham's descendants. But if a generation came that struggled with the idea that they were the children of God, that they needed to walk according to his word, when they walked away from God, this generation faced challenges that were greater than they themselves could overcome. They shackled their children with struggles in order to overcome what was lost because of their lack of believing God and his word. Unfortunately, we live in a day that this principle, it's not just true in the word of God, but we see this principle of generational vision or generations walking away from God. We see that being lived out in our world today and even in our country today. And because of that, we come and we present this vision of how our church can remain a lighthouse. Our church can remain a gospel-centered ministry where our goal, our focus, our aim is to make sure that we are preaching and teaching and giving the gospel out here in this area and around the world. See, the challenge of generational blessings is not getting God to remain faithful. It is getting one generation to be faithful to the God that has already blessed us. How, how many of you today would agree that you want to remain faithful to God? Would you say amen? Proverbs says this, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And as God has been faithful to this nation, this nation is deciding whether it will be faithful to him. This nation is 
facing some crucial days ahead. I don't want to get into all of those things. I don't want to be negative here this morning or present a, a negative spirit, but the reality is this. This nation is deciding right now if it's going to be faithful to God. In church, whether this nation chooses to be faithful to God or not, this church needs to choose that no matter what this nation does, we are going to remain faithful to the Lord and his word. That we are going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I ask our church to make a covenant that we will decide our lives or dedicate our lives in this generation to taking the gospel into all the world, to allow all that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ to hear the truth of the gospel and be made alive. I, I, I want to challenge our church that we would dedicate our lives so that we could take the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community, in the greater Toledo area, in the state, and in the regions beyond, in the corners of this earth, so that those that are in debt to sin could be made free. And so that all could discover the change that Jesus makes in their lives. I would say this, the majority of us here have experienced that change that Christ has made in our lives. We've preached on that for weeks leading up to this, that we are a new creature. We saw what the Holy Spirit of God does. He, he, uh, uh, we, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And today I ask our church to make a vow together before God that as the world grows darker, that Monclova Road Baptist Church will decide that we will shine even brighter, that as the world wants the church to quiet their voices, that we as a church are gonna decide that we will speak even louder than we've ever spoken before, that will this generation, we will not let this generation down, will not let the generations that are coming behind us down, but that God has placed us in this generation for this time for the purpose of the gospel. And church, I call on every one of us today to live a life of faith. May we today choose we are going to live for God. So what is vision 2020? This is a generational vision. This is not just a vision for us. This is a generation that if we will commit to, we'll take what's been the foundation that has been laid over previous generations here at this church, build upon that generation, ensure that those that come behind us will have a church that they too can accomplish preaching the gospel, seeing lives changed. And church, I ask you today that you would make a difference in this, this generation and generations to come. I preached last week on being a difference maker. We're gonna do our study through the book of Acts over the next several weeks as we get back into Acts about being a difference maker. And Jesus Christ, he is the greatest difference maker. If I know one thing, it's without a doubt that he is the biggest difference maker that you and I will ever meet. He's made a difference in every heart and every soul. He's made a difference in every life who has ever received him as savior. He's made a difference in every marriage that's ever rescued from divorce. He's made a difference in every family that's been torn apart by bitterness and by strife. 
He's made a difference in the life of every addict that was ever bound in shackles of shame and addiction. He's made a difference in every sick body that's ever, uh, that's ever been healed from sickness and disease when doctors gave you no hope. He's made a difference in every broken heart that's ever needed to be mended. He's made a difference to those that he has set free that sit here in this place today that can lift up their hands and declare that what the sun sets free is free indeed. That's the difference maker. That's what Jesus Christ has done. If you know for a fact that Jesus has made a difference in your life, then today I challenge you right now, somebody say amen to that. He's a difference maker. In church, as much as I love to come together and gather each week and sing and, and hear these voices lifted up and, and, and praise and, and see our children being taught and see our young people singing, using their talents and come in and, and see people serving and, 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 and working and laboring for the cause of Christ, we cannot be comfortable with just and satisfied with just what we have here. We've got to take the truth of the gospel and ensure that every generation to come here's the truth of Jesus Christ the apostle Paul is one that knew that it couldn't end with his generation the apostle Paul saw the value of investing himself in the lives of younger men because the apostle Paul knew there was going to come a day that he no longer was going to be here he knew there was coming a day that he no longer was going to take missionary journeys and, and start churches. He realized there was coming a day that he no longer was going to be the one to lead in this great evangelistic cause to get the gospel around Europe and the known world. So the apostle Paul understood that I must invest myself in men like Timothy and Titus so that when I'm gone, the power of the gospel can still change lives in generations to come. You see, God has always used this church to make a difference. In 1974, a man by the name of Ron Heisler and several families from the Toledo Baptist Temple began meeting on Sunday mornings at the uh, Wayne Trail Elementary School on 7th Street in Maumee. This small group of people that met on Sunday mornings at that elementary school and on Wednesday nights at the Heisler home, prayerfully founded a church that they called the Southside Baptist Temple, 1974. As a church group, it was by necessity, it moved to several different locations in Maumee. And then, and then this church eventually moved out to the elementary school in Monclova, Ohio. In the fall of 1976, the Southside Baptist Temple relocated to a a little white chapel. It was owned by a United Brethren Church. It was located on Loose Road in Monclova. And during this time, this church, the Southside Baptist Temple, began to save and they purchased money or they purchased property with their money at 7819 Monclova Road. And there, they built a new church building. They had faith. They believed in vision. In 1979, the Southside Baptist Temple moved to their new location at 7819 Monclova Road. 
That little white chapel, maybe some might not know this, but that little white chapel was relocated to the Walcott House Museum on River Road, Maumee, where it's still there today. You can actually go and see that little white chapel there, and that's where this church used to meet. Pastor Ron Heisler continued to serve the Southside Baptist Temple as pastor until 1983. In just that small amount of time from 1974 to 1983, the church had vision. The church began to see people saved, the church sacrificed, the church gave. And what we look at is building A over here across the parking lot is there and it still stands today because a church had vision. Pastor Chuck Davis accepted the call in 1983 to serve as the pastor of Southside Baptist Temple and continued in that capacity to 1985. In 1985, a man by the name of Vic Junkert accepted the call to pastor the Southside Baptist Temple. He moved his family from Columbus, Ohio to the greater Toledo area and Pastor Vic served Southside for about eight, uh, eight years and saw the church grow to about 120 people. It's vision. During Pastor Vic's tenure, the name of the church was changed from Southside Baptist Temple to Southside Baptist Church. In May of 1993, Pastor Russ Merritt accepted the call to be the pastor of Southside Baptist Church. And under his leadership, the church attendance increased greatly. Several new additions were built. The church its name was changed from Southside Baptist Church to Monclova Road Baptist Church. And in 1999, Monclova Christian Academy was started. I think you would agree that over the years, over the decades, that this church, God has given this church vision, great vision. Many of you have been a part of that. Many have sacrificed, many have given, Many have served and given so that we have what we have today. I want to submit to you this, church, if I can have that next slide. What God has blessed this church with is because of vision. The vision has been laid out. This, this small little area here with the steeple, a little white spot on the top of the roof there, that was the original building. And over the years, all of these other buildings came. But it's not just in buildings. It's over the years, missionaries have been sent out and mis uh, ministries have been started. And each week, members of this church go into jails and, and go into uh, halfway houses and, and go into uh, prisons on an annual basis and, and goes into nursing homes and, and, and visits and preaches the gospel and, and goes out into the community and, and shares Christ. The continent of Africa has missionary family there on it in Chile and Peru. All over this world, there's missionaries that have been sent out of this church, missionaries that this church has supported, sacrificially given to. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to submit to you this, that over the years, God has given this church a great vision. And this church has followed that vision. But we can't just look at what God has done in the past. We must continue to look to God for vision into the future. 
I, I don't want to just enjoy the blessings of the past. I want God to be pleased with what we're doing today. I don't want God to say, we used to do this. We used to be that. I don't want to ever change our name to the used to be Baptist church. I want us to be in this generation, eager and willing and sacrificial in every area so that God continues to see souls saved and people reached. But in order to do that, church, we must ask God, what is there for us now? This generational vision. We build on what has been there in the past and we do our part in the vision today so that as the young people behind us come, and they're leading, and they're serving, and they're sacrificing. The testimony has been set in place so that they grow. The first part of this vision I want to speak to you about today has to do with just the facilities here of this church over the next 20 years. What, what God will allow us to do here over the next 20 years here of our ministry now, again, I want to I warn us because what I'm going to cast, number one, it's not going to be by sight. It's going to take vision. Number two, it's not going to be done in one year. It's going to be done over the next 20 years. It's going to be uh, uh, by faith uh, done, believing that God can do this. And all of this is going to be done so that we can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of this is to be done so that we can raise up a strong generation coming behind us that will also be a light in a dark world. To teach our children to take a stand. To teach our children to, to stand strong on the word of God and believe in the God that we believe in. To sacrifice and give to a God that is worthy to be praised. I want you to see phase one here, this ministry. Today, I want to, as far as facilities are concerned, I want to lay out a five-phase uh, plan for our ministry. The first phase of this plan. Now, I, we've not invested. We've been meeting for several months here with the, with the board and staff, and, and so we have not invested uh, large amounts of uh, time we have, but finances. So what we've got today is just, just a crude uh, looking uh, blocks and colored blocks, what we want to show you. Um, obviously, it doesn't look like this. Um, we don't want to build a blue building on a property, um, but you'll see as we go. In every research, in every area that uh, as you read of churches and churches growing, we, we live in what they call a post-Christian society. Meaning this, people aren't just waking up and desiring to go to church. The word of God is not something that many even Christians believe is true. They, 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 they asked Christians, people that claim to be saved, do you believe the Bible is truth from cover to cover? Cover in, in 40 or so, 40 or more percent of Christians that claim to be saved did not believe the Bible was true from cover to cover. It's sad. We want to raise up a generation of Christians that believe that the Bible is the authority that we live upon, that it is true. 
We want to invest and give in, in sacrifice so that young people coming up in this generation can be educated and taught and, and stand firm on the word of God so that we ensure that this church that has started in 1974 continues past 20 years and another 20 years. You see, what we're going to lay out here in this vision doesn't just ensure another 20 years, but we're building so that those that come behind us have another 20 years to build upon that. We start by this, and our property we would take and in this larger area that's blue here in the bottom corner would be a youth center. We envision this being a center where young people all over the Anthony Wayne area maybe rallies on Friday nights that they can gather and, and come and, and enjoy some time together. And then we can always open up the word of God and, and, and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ each time they meet. This would be a dedicated place where Wednesday evenings and throughout the week, the youth of our church, 7th through 12th grade, could gather in, in small groups. And this would be a, a facility where, where it would be uh, uh, designed to, to reach their culture with the truth of the word of God. In this as well, in this area to the right, the larger area to the right, those are currently what we call modulars and, and those with the weather and, 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 and everything that we use those for currently right now. The one is a science lab for our school and the far end is an art lab for our school and in the middle is, in, is storage and what every church always lacks is storage. And those are useful buildings and we don't want to get rid of those buildings at this point um, and replace them, but we do need storage. And so our goal would be to move the labs out, the science lab and the art lab out of those facilities, use all of those facilities for storage that is so needed in our building and then take the current youth room that's there now on this side of our building, the second floor where the youth meets and that would turn into, we would gut that building, that would turn into a first class science lab for our school, a first class art lab for our school and a lunchroom for our school. What that would help us to do is this, from a, from a security side, then, then students would not have to leave this facility and go from one place to another place in, in, um, uh, in unsecured areas. Uh, we wanna be able to lock the school down and, and have security for a school. And obviously we know the, this, the dangers that are happening out in the world today and we need to have a secure facility for our school. I believe this church, if we're going to have an educational um, uh, ministry in our church, that it must be two things. It must be the best spiritual place that any church, any school could offer their children. And number two, we need to highlight and have the best academics as well. I don't believe that we ought to sacrifice one for the other. I believe that Milford Christ, or, or Monclova Christian Academy can be the premier spiritual school where young people come and are nurtured in the admonition of the Lord that are taught the word of God, that live upon the word of God and done in a first-class facility. And so that's phase one. And church, I'm gonna ask this, that phase one begins in this youth center. In the next four years, we see this youth center built that we save, we invest, we sacrifice, we give, so that in four years we begin to break ground and we can begin to utilize this youth center and reach all of this area, the young people in this area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Phase two. Phase two is 
next phase is a children's ministry wing for our church. You would see this kind of how it wraps around those new areas. In this area here, we would have an indoor playground for uh, families in our community, young moms. If, if, if one thing is happening in our community, young families are moving into this community and we wanna reach them. We've talked about having a place during the winter months for moms to gather with their children. This would be a, an open area, open to the, to the, to the um, community that they can come and they can enjoy fellowship. They can enjoy uh, uh, a place here at our church. It's a place where we would have uh, off of that uh, indoor playground area, we would have places where our moments are ladies Bible studies, moms with small children that meet on Tuesdays. It would be a place of Bible studies. It'd be a place of safety. It would be a place where this community knows that they could come with their children. It would be a safe environment. It'd be a place that they can enjoy the fellowship of other people here at our church. It'd be a place that we can gather around God's word. And as the children come, the moms can gather together and open God's word. All of our nursery facilities that are down on this end would be moved to this area. And this would be a kids center, our kids ministry. All of this area that you see highlighted here would be the kids ministry for our church. It would be open every day to the public to come and enjoy what this church has to offer. If I can go to phase three of this. <clears throat> this is probably gonna be a little bit harder to see. Just above this red color is a green area that is open area right now. What we would desire to do there in this area here is on the green area that you see, we would like to um, uh, uh, put music rooms and practice rooms, individual practice rooms that our academy will utilize, that our ministry here in our church would utilize. What that would do is it would allow us not to have to use this facility in this room every day. There's a lot of work, a lot of tear down. Every day this room here gets used for our music ministry for our school. It would allow us to uh, uh, keep it the way it is for church, use it for chapels, use it throughout the week for, for times of meeting and for larger areas and in this room as well. And all the ladies of the church would say amen to this, a commercial kitchen. Yeah, I thought so. Obviously, when we have banquets and things that people come and be a part of, um, there's not enough space to, for the ladies to work. And in this area there, this would be useful for our church. This would be useful for our academy. This would ensure that we have a top-notch, first-class music program for our church and our school in a place for ladies to gather around ovens and, and uh, a nice dishwasher, I guess. I don't know. Phase four. What you see in this purple area. We want to be able to go from this end of the building all the way then what would be what we, the, the newest church, the oldest church building, building A, and all of that be a, lobby that you don't have to leave outside, that you can gather from uh, any part in this building and walk through a lobby like we have here. Just, it would bring all of this together. Because of weather, again, because of safety, because of all those things, we have put a lot of time. We, many men in their church have sacrificed and, and done a lot for security as we're meeting together. And all this would do is, is not only bring all of our property together, also give us a security seven days a week as we gather here on this property. 
And phase five of this plan then would be the last portion of this plan, and that would be remodeling, which is currently building A, that very first building that was built here, and that would help us with all of our administrative offices. We're all over the place and bringing all that together in phase five. We're gonna give this to you, this next slide here to you as you leave today. And what that next slide is going to do is just kind of lay out in four years, we want to begin this and see this happen over the next 20 years. I can go to the next slide and skip that next slide and go to the next one. In September of 2015, when we moved here, my family moved here, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I have lost sleep, the Lord has increased my faith on. In September of 2015, when we came here, our church was $2,550,029.33. Can you imagine that? 33 cents. <clears throat> was our debt. And um, I will tell you this, it has been <laughs> not easy. We have refinanced that debt. We have um, put some extra toward that debt. I do not believe that it would be fair to the generations coming behind us that we add to this debt. I believe that we, and have been praying with the, with the board and, and uh, uh, working tirelessly to try to, to fix that. There was a time that our church was paying about $25,000 a month going toward the debt. And less than half of that was actually going toward the principal. Today, as I stand here today, our debt on the facilities that we currently have is $1,880,490.31. We paid it off by two cents there. Huh? Which I praise the Lord for this. Over the last four years, we have retired $669,539.02 is what we've paid off. In the last four years, we've paid our debt down by that amount of money. Amen. We'll be able to sleep a little bit more at night. At this rate, you can see that we can continue. Because of your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness in tithing and sacrificially giving to this ministry. My first year here, we were $250,000, or $150,000, I'm sorry, in the red. And I tell you, there's been times I've said, Tom, Lord, what are you trying to do to me? I didn't accumulate that debt. <laughs> I'm losing sleep over this. We were in the red. There's times I'd wake up in the middle of the night and say, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> this year, as of today, as of today, the church is $110,000 or $15,000 in the black for this year, which is a $250,000 difference. And that's because of your faithfulness. That's because of your vision. That's because you desire that God continue to use this church in the generations to come. And so I propose that we continue to pay down our debt. And it looks the way that things have in about an eight year period, this debt that we currently have will be totally retired. 
and we will continue to save, continue to put things forward so that this building that we talked about, the first phase of this building can start in the next four years. But it's not just about facilities. We can build it and it's not just about us. I want you to show you this next slide. And I want you to prayerfully consider this. Over this last year in our church, there has been many of many hurt and many heartache. And not just this year, over the last, I'm sure, since 1974. But in this last year, I have done a few funerals that I can just tell you just has really, it, it was more than just doing a funeral. I knew that God was going to use these events to even do something in the life of our church. One of those was Suzanne Sears. I, I, I don't know, I, I don't think God's done with, with her testimony and the life that she lived and her desire for the gospel to go forth. The, the, other, the other funeral that I don't think I'll ever forget was the funeral of the sons, her little boy. I've seen families at their lowest point. Just right here, they buried a son. I remember getting the call from Sam. When someone calls and tells you that their son was killed or a family member was killed in a tragic accident, you, you don't have the word, you don't even know what to say. But what that, those events have done in my life and the life of those leadership in our church, it's caused us to realize that people are hurting. And church, I want to lead us. I want us to have an opportunity to minister to hurting families. And let me just share you my heart with this. We could go downtown and we could feed the homeless every day. We could give socks to homeless shelters. We could give lunches out. We, we can go to the poorest areas of Toledo and, and, and then come back to our home and feel like we've done a great job. We can do all of that in another community, which, which I believe that we should and we will and we continue to. But we've got to find ways to minister in our own Jerusalem. If we had a sign that said Thanksgiving meals handed out free and we had enough for 2,000 meals to be given. In this community, not many would show up and come because most of them would have a family. Most of them would, would have a place that they would go. Here in Monclova and White House and the surrounding areas. Would you agree with that? But you know what I found? Every single family deals with hurt. Every single family deals with tragedy. Every family, you know right now, there's somebody on your mind right now that you know they're dealing with something. They're dealing with a sickness. They're dealing with cancer. They're dealing with a death. They're dealing with some financial issues. They're dealing with something. And I propose today that our church 
we've thought about this, talked through this in like a Grand Rapids area or Blissfield, some, some small little community that's close to a church, but someplace that you as a church member can say to those in your neighborhood, those at your place of work, family, that you can reach out and you can say to them, hey, our church has a place and they will give it to you for a week for free so that your family going through this tragedy can go and make memories together and just be comfortable. So all the things that you're dealing with in life right now, you can come together. A, a grandmother that's battling cancer, they, they, they're, they're, they're wondering how they're gonna pay for their chemo and hospital visits, not how they can have a vacation with their grandchildren. Those that just lost someone they love, they, they're, they're, they're looking, how do we pay for funerals and, and these expenses? Not how can I take family on a vacation and spend time with them? And so I propose to our church, we invest in a place and call it the home of rest. And so you have a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody in this community that's battling something. You can say, why don't you call this church, call this number and let us minister to you. And they come into this house and it's absolutely nothing. They come for an entire week. They make great memories with their family. I had a family that came in the week before Thanksgiving and said, I'd like to give a, make a Thanksgiving dinner for a family. Could you give me a name? I love for a place, people can decorate this place. People can come and, and bring families to the, the dinners to the families that are here at this place. And they can come in a period of a week, cost nothing to them. They can say, wait, God's church was good to us. God's people were good to us. Why are they doing this? Why, why would a church want to do something like that? Because people are hurting and people need to know that Jesus Christ loves them. That as the world gets darker, people need to know that the people of God do things without anything in, in, in wanting anything in return. That, that we simply want to show the love of Christ. It gives us an opportunity to minister to this family. And we did the math. And if we were to put 35 or so families in a house like this every year over the course of 20 years, that's 700 families in our community that we can minister to, that we can love on, that we can shower with blessings, that we can have an opportunity to share the gospel with them in a time that they're hurting the time where they need hope the most. So we propose this place, it's a home of rest. I wanna to go to the next slide, if you would please, another area we've talked about in the board. We had a location and we were pursuing that before we brought it to the church, but I just wanna bring this so that you would pray about. The board in, in, uh, was excited about this opportunity they voted on a coffee shop and a Christian bookstore, not here on our property, but on a, on a separate area in our community. We'd call it Mission Coffee. So people would come in, they'd have a area to fellowship, a bookstore, Christian bookstore. There's not a Christian bookstore left in Toledo any longer. A place where people can come and buy Bibles and resources. And every penny that would come in as a prophet would go to world evangelism. So we as a community, not just here, but some other location as a community, every time someone bought a cup of coffee, every time somebody visited that store, they knew that they were helping us make a difference, not just in this community, but around the world. 
And every penny, every profit that this place would make, it would be a Christian setting. It would be a place where people could gather and have Bible studies. It would be a place where people could gather and, and get to know new people. Everybody new to our church, we'd give them a, cup of, uh, a gift card to get a cup of coffee and we'd minister them there. It would be a place that would be open six days a week, like Chick-fil-A, closed on Sunday. But every penny would go and the whole thing would be about where that, finance, where that profit went. And when you walked in that store, you would know that you were making a difference sending the gospel to the four corners of this world. I want you to pray about that. Next slide, if you would, please. I'm trying to hurry here. I want to challenge our church today to start churches all over the greater Toledo area. What you notice in this plan, we don't have a plan to build a bigger auditorium. It's not that we don't want to grow. If we have to go to three services, we'll go to three services. But we want to lead our church. And maybe there's some in this church that would help and go and do what we have here and multiply it in another area of Toledo. In the north side of Toledo and in the east side of Toledo and one that's heavy on our heart that we're praying for that I pray that you'll pray with us on is this, a Spanish ministry. We're praying and asking God to send us a Spanish-speaking couple that would have a desire to, to plant a Spanish-speaking church here in the greater Toledo area. We'd birth that right out of this church. We'd all over the area. And, and those are just places that we know could use a good gospel preaching church, just like our church, all over the Toledo area. And, and, and may, may, maybe our, our goal is five, but maybe the Lord will allow us to do 10 or 15 or 20. Who knows? But, but church, I want to challenge us to get involved in church planning. And, and you could go all over the greater Toledo area and you can find churches. They are buildings, but they aren't meeting any longer. And I would love to come in behind in our church to, to take that lead and go in to revitalize churches. To see places that once preached the gospel that aren't preaching the gospel anymore, to be thriving places where people come and they sing and they worship uh, the Lord and they, their lives are changed and, and they're introduced to the, the difference maker, Jesus Christ. And church, I ask that you be a part of that. It's going to require giving. It's going to require sacrificing. It's going to require some even saying, I'll go and be a part of what we're doing. Would you pray on that? Next slide, please. We believe it's important. We, beginning this coming summer and every summer from now, at least the 20 years that God, I pray, allows me to pastor here, is we want to give a place for college students to come and intern. And, and I'm not meaning college students, others. I'm talking about our own. Those that are coming through, I want them to be able to come and, and train for the ministry and intern during the, during the, the summer months. If they're in college and, and they're just wanting some experience some in ministry before they go out and do what God's called them to do, I, I believe that this church ought to be a place where they can learn the ministry and learn how to walk by faith and, and be excited about what God's doing and be able to take what they've learned here at a deeper level and go out and serve the Lord. Also, we want to start that with high school students. All this will be done by application. If 
young people want to be a part, high school students that believe that they want to just be prepared. And maybe they don't know if God's going to call them into ministry yet, but we want them to at least be helped and encouraged while they're in their high school years to serve the Lord. Church, all of this, I believe, if by faith we believe it and follow the Lord, I believe that all of this would ensure that in 20 years, these young people, when they're sitting where we sit and they're in leadership positions where we're in, they will have something that they then can launch out and be a part of generational vision. The church exists to preach the gospel, to disciple and train believers, to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And I want to ask church, Monclova Road Baptist Church, will you be a part of this generational vision that's not starting with us? Really, our story started in 1974. We just want to do our part so that in 2040, there's a church that's even stronger than it is today. I'm not gonna get into all the semantics and all the details and we'll lay, start laying those out. I'm not gonna ask for money today. I just wanted to present this big overview of a 2020 vision for a ministry because church, I wanna ask you to pray. I'm gonna ask the Hamaker family if you'll come. I wanna show you something here, church. Those that are involved in singing as well, if you'll make their way here as well. Stay right here. Who's this? My dad. Who's that? My dad. Who's that? My dad. Father. Who's this guy? Your grandson. And who's this sweetie? Grandpa? Son? Daughter? Son? Son? Grandson? great-granddaughters. Why is generational vision so necessary? Let me ask you this. What generation is the most important generation in this church? What's the most important? This one? Should it all be about him? Should it all be about him? God help us. How, how about this generation, 30, right? How about, shouldn't we have a church for 
30-year-olds? That's the most important, right? Or how about her? Is she the most important generation? The, the reality, church, is they're all important. And they're all needed. And they're all necessary. We're, we can't ask one generation just to sit down and church isn't for you. Just sit and enjoy it and just retire. No, I'm asking this generation, don't quit. Don't stop. Keep serving. Keep going. Keep preaching the gospel. You're needed. We can't do it without you. If we could, God would take you home. And he hasn't. You're, every part of this family is a pivotal family in this church. There, there's not a generation here that we say, just sit down. So, so we, we have to serve, you have to invest, you have to grow, you have to sacrifice, you have to. We have to have indoor playgrounds and youth centers, don't we? Look, she's begging you, please. She wants a playground one day. How could you say no? Isn't she cute? But I want her to know that church is for her as well. I feel like the Lion King here, huh? <laughs> but church is for her. And when we come, hear me, sometimes, sometimes we might sing something that he really, really likes. And, and he's like, eh. And sometimes we might sing something that he doesn't like. And he's like, yeah. But as long as it's biblical, as long as it's theologically sound, like can't we agree that we want a generational vision and every, every generation is important to accomplishing this? Every generation. Why, why would we not want great-grandpa to worship a great God with his great-grandchild? Like, why do they have to go to separate places to do that? It's, it's the God that unites us. It's Christ that draws us together. It's the gospel that has brought us together, not a generation. And if every generation cared about the other generation because of the gospel, I believe this, that God will allow us to see this through. I say, church, why would we not want to? Why would we not want to see God's name magnified? God's name exalted? I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you are 40 years old and below, I want you to get out of your seat right now and come up here, join this family. Come on, come on, please. The widows are getting hungry for their banquets. Come on, 40 years old and younger. Come up here. All the kids, if you'll make your way in. Some of you are, some of you are lying, I can tell. You're wanting it. I'm kidding. Come on up. 
Make your way, crouch jump here, come on. Keep coming, we got all the kids to bring in. We'll just bring the kids right down front here. coming. Yeah, just bring them right down front here. Come on, guys. We've been waiting for you. Once that playground. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Hey, if some of you need to come up here, why don't you, the rest of you come right up here. Come on up here. We'll get you all up, go all the way down. Go ahead, all the way down, all the way down. You know what I love about Monclova Road Baptist Church? Just, just take a visual. It's not a church for old people. It's not a church for young people. It's a generational church. Why then would we not have a generational vision? Why then would we not have a vision that ensures that what has been laid out and built upon, we then teach these young people and the young people up here <laughs> that we have a responsibility for a generational vision. Keep coming. My goodness. I, I would ask you, church, in your heart right now, why would you not want to be a part of something like this? There's a church that Brian Mitchell and I, our chairman of our deacon board, we visited in the Toledo area. And they walked us around all these facilities and they showed us nurseries and classrooms, Sunday school classrooms. And they said, we don't use these anymore. We don't have any children anymore. We don't use our, we don't have vacation Bible school anymore. It was, it was so sad. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, just give us your facilities. We'll fill them up. Give them to us. We'll take them. We won't charge anything for taking them. And we'll, we'll, will pray and fast and beg God to revive Toledo and would you stand with me everyone and I want us in unison as one church I want I want this generation to see this generation I want you to see this generation, they've sacrificed, they've given. Every generation 
is important in generational vision. Was Abraham, no, he had to go, he had to leave. He had to have faith that his descendants were gonna come and then the blessing went to us today. All the nations of the earth have been blessed because of generational vision. I'm gonna ask today, all the generations of our church, would you lift your voice up? You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. And that's what we're asking God to do with this vision 2020, to bring light to a dark world, starting here in Monclova and reaching out to the othermost. Will you pray? Would you sing with me? I mean, let's sing out. You give Pour out our praise 
pour out our praise to you. It's your breath. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Our Father, Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you are powerful. We believe that you are just. We believe that you are mighty. And Lord, we believe that you can accomplish this. It's your strength. It's your blessings. It's your holy name, Lord, that we lift our hands to and we praise we also humble ourselves before and we submit to. And Lord, we pray today, we dedicate our church, our lives, our homes, us as individuals, Lord, to your vision, your plan. And Lord, I pray that in unity, that we would see this accomplished and you would receive all the glory and honor and the praise for it's you that we worship. It's you that is worthy. It's you that is great. And it's you that deserve every knee to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And may we, Lord, do our part in preaching that truth, in living that truth, in seeing it, Lord, here in this generation and in the generations to come. Give us generational vision. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said? Amen. Church, I pray that you're on board. I pray that you would believe that God can do it. I don't know how we're gonna get these kids out of here. <laughs> Well, parents, they're in the auditorium. They're your kids. Um, did your kids have a good time today? All right. All right. Since I got the kids in here, we're going to sing. Hey, kids, you know this song, Happy Birthday? You're going to help me sing to Miss Kathy Kudrow right in front. Happy 26th birthday. You ready? Here we go. Happy. All right, uh, parents, myself, the staff, and the board, we've tried to figure out this 2020 vision. What might be more complicated right now is getting your children, so you figure that out. No, kids, if you'll stay right here, parents, if you'll just come get your kids from here and their stuff is in the gym, the rest of us, you are dismissed. Widows and widowers, we hope to see you across the parking lot for a banquet here this afternoon if you'll make your way there. I love you, church, and praise God for you. You're dismissed. Kids, stay right here for your parents.
On your, on your way out, on your way out, there are bags. We want you to take the bags. There's gifts for Vision 2020. So please make sure you take the bags on your way out of service today. Oh. 